This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. One of the first and most fundamental teaching of Freemasonry is to walk in the light. It's a beautiful light. Come and see the light. <clears throat> to somebody who's been programmed by or influenced by the cults affiliated with Freemasonry, this may sound scriptural, but the Bible says that Satan himself disguises himself as a light. We are to walk in the word, <laughs> not the light. <clears throat> in Freemasonry, in the book Morals and Dogma of the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, it says this. It hails, Lucifer, the light bearer, strange and mysterious name to given the spirit of darkness. Lucifer, son of the morning, it is he who bears the light, and with its splendors intolerable, blinds feeble, sensual, or selfish souls. Doubt it not. <clears throat> Lucifer is the light bearer of Freemasonry. Lucifer also gives power within Freemasonry. You will recognize the power described because it was made public and used on the masses by both William Branham and Oral Roberts. <clears throat> the Lost Keys of Freemasonry says this, The day has come when fellow craftsmen must know and apply their knowledge. The lost key to their grade is the mastery of emotion which places the energy of the universe at their disposal. Men can only expect to be entrusted with great power by proving his ability to use it constructively and selflessly. When the Mason learns that the key to the warrior on the block is the proper application of the dynamo of living power, he has learned the mystery of his craft. Listen to this part. The seething energies of Lucifer are in his hands. Ask yourselves, what did William Branham do whenever he hovered his hand over the people to heal them? 
deceiving energies of Lucifer are in his hands. And before he may step onward and upward, he must prove his ability to apply energy. He must follow in the footsteps of his forefather, Tubal-Cain, who with the mighty strength of the war god hammered his sword into a plowshare. Now, the seething energies of Lucifer are in his hands. So to advance in the Freemason religion, you must sell your soul to Tubal-Cain, who according to that same religion is called the Vulcan of the Pagans. In the Masonic quiz book, the candidate is asked this question, who was Tubal-Cain? The answer is he is the Vulcan of the Pagans. So you ask yourselves, what is a Vulcan? Vulcan <clears throat> was a sun deity associated with fire, thunderbolts, and light. The festival in honor of him was called the, the Vulcania, in which human sacrifices were offered. When compared to William Branham's ministry, and the hundreds of lies that are now proven to be false, it is very interesting when you consider this and compare it to the Freemason teaching. They are actually instructed to lie even to other Freemasons. In the book Teachings of the 28th Degree, it says this, This exercise is not an empty one, for your eternal precious soul is at stake. Finally, remember two things about Freemasonry. Superior Masons deliberately lie to their fellow Masons, as those Masons deserve to be misled. Explanations given to 95% of all Freemasons are wrong. Listen to this quote from Masonic author Paul, Carl Claudy. Cut through the outer shell and find a meaning. Cut through that meaning and find another. Under it, if you dig deep enough, you may find a third, a fourth. Who shall say how many teachings? You have been lied to as we d demonstrate in our many articles. Finally, remember Albert Pike's bold assertion in Morals and Dogma that Masonry is identical to the ancient mysteries, which means that all their teachings and all their books are precisely the same as the ancient pagan satanic mysteries. It's interesting when you think of this and you compare to how William Branham describes the Priscillianists of St. Martin's Day. He calls them the little bride for that age. And one of the practices that brought their condemnation was that they believed that they could produce lies for the sake of a holy end. Leviticus teaches us that the filthy birds of prey are not to be eaten. And most cult followers do not realize this, but the eagle is the very first bird in the list. Leviticus says, These are the birds you regard as unclean and not to eat because they are unclean. The eagle. The vulture, the black vulture, red kite, any kind of black kite, any kind of raven, Horned Owl, Screech Owl, Gull, Hawk, Little Owl, the Comorant, the Great Owl, the White Owl, the Desert Owl, the Osprey, the Stork, any kind of Heron, the Hoopie, and the Bat. Now, if you were to think about any one of these animals, 
and you were to say, I want to be a vulture, you would never say it because you know that is an unclean bird. You know that the owl is associated with mysticism. You know that the raven is associated with the occult. The eagle is in that same category. Yet William Branham said that God's prophets are likened to eagles. And God himself was the chief eagle. Branham just called God unclean. Branham is quoted twisting the meaning of scriptures, twisting over time and time again. One of them is where the carcass is, the eagles will gather. He twists it to mean that even the lowly cult follower is an eagle. Newer translations make it much easier for you to understand. Where the corpse is, the vultures will gather. Now these two sentences mean exactly the same thing. They are birds of prey and they're eating rotting flesh. Yet the second sounds much more worse than the first because so many are programmed to believe that eating dead carcasses is a good thing. <clears throat> in Freemasonry, the eagle is the most recognizable symbol in the world. In Freemasonry, the eagle is associated with the phoenix, which is a mythical bird that signifies spiritual rebirth. The Egyptians believed that the phoenix was the representative of the god who rose to heaven in the form of a morning star like Lucifer after his fire immolation of death and rebirth. That quote comes from the book Now is the Dawning, page 281. In ancient times, the worship of the phoenix was out in the open. Pagans celebrated the worship of devils. It was applied to their spiritual religion, but it was a worship of Satan. To prevent the masses from associating the Masonic Eagle with the ancient Phoenix, Freemasons changed the Phoenix to an Eagle and be began to refer to it as an Eagle. But the higher-ranking Freemason, Freemason, the mystery is uncovered. In the book Lost Keys of Freemasonry, it says this, these were the immortals to whom the phoenix was applied, and their symbol was the mysterious two-headed bird now called an eagle, a familiar and little understood Masonic emblem. Again, in magnum opus, the eagle was the living symbol of the Egyptian god Mendes and the representative of the sun. Now, the triangle is one of the most common symbols in the occult, not just Freemasonry. A triangle with its point downward represents the deity down below, and it's called the deity's triangle or the water triangle. With the point up, it's called the earthly triangle or the pyramid triangle or the fire triangle. The triangle pointed upward like a pyramid to the Freemason is called the stature of a perfect man or the stature of a divine man. In this pyramid theology, the stature of the perfect man is the, the Gnostic teaching that is resurrected that we will all become creators or Christs. In Mystic Masonry, page 138, it says this, it is far more important. Now I said more important 
It is far more important that men should strive to become Christ's than that they should believe Jesus was Christ. Now, does that sound like a Christian teaching to you? This, all Christians should know that it, it does not align with Scripture. There is only one Christ, and we are to proclaim Him. John 4 says this, Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and that spirit is anti-Christ. The pyramids, the triangles, the pyramids were closely tied to pagan worship of the sun god Ra. The capstone was called the Eye of Ra because it pointed directly to the sun at noonday. The obelisks pointed to the sun because that was their way of worship of the sun god. It was part of religious rituals that included human sacrifice. The triangle itself was a different idol. The triangle itself was the Egyptian god Set. In Signs and Symbols of Primordial Man, it says this, The triangle with point up represents Set. The name Set is one of the infernal names of Satan, listed in the Satanic Bible, written by the Satanic priest Anton LaVey. Freemasons use the Bible verse, Believe it or not, be still and know that I am God. But they use it in a much different way than the scriptures intend when associating the idol set to the stature of the perfect or the divine man. This scripture is one that is sitting on the plaque at the top of the Branham Tabernacle in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And this is a Freemason catchphrase. In the Lost Keys of Freemasonry, it says this, Be still and know that I am God. And then it emphasizes the letter I, that I am God. The final recognition of all in all, the unity of the self, self with the cosmos. Think of how many times you've heard that word in William Branham's ministry. Of the self with the cosmos, the cognition of the divinity of the self. Page 92, Lost Keys of Freemasonry. What is interesting is <clears throat> the fact that the serpent seed doctrine is widely found throughout Freemason teachings. Freemasons will openly tell you that Nimrod was the seed of Satan. How many times have you heard that in Branham's ministry? Nimrod was the seed of Satan through sex act in the Garden of Eden. An entire chapter of the book, English Freemasonry, Mother of Modern Cults, is devoted to comparing this false teaching with similar pagan teachings of the ancient world. Freemasons teach that the bloodline made it through the flood, that one of those in the ark was in infected by the impure bloodline. But Acts 17 of the Bible tells us much differently. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their inhabitation. Blood of one man, Adam. Many Freemason 
infected churches are springing up around the entire world. Some of them proudly display their Freemason heritage in the name of their building. We find Evening Light Fellowship or Church of the Evening Light or similar. If they had any idea which God that they were actually worshiping with that name, they would burn their building down and condemn the ground that it's set upon. While Freemason-influenced churches will tell you that we're looking forward to that evening light, and many Branham cult members will tell you that Branham's ministry was the evening light, Zachariah's prophecy does not paint a good picture for what they are telling you. Honestly, Branham's ministry may have been the evening light, because Zechariah describes the horror associated with it. The evening light is just the beginning of the complete destruction of all these satanic cults that are inspired by demons. After describing a great earthquake that splits Mount Olives in half, Zechariah writes this, On that day there shall be no light, cold, or frost, and there will be a unique day which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. Most Branham cult followers stop right there. That's it. Nothing more to worry about. We're nested under the bosom of Branham. But there's more. Zechariah continues, On that day living waters shall flow out of Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. So, it's going to be cold. And it continues, And the Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day the Lord will be one and his name one. The whole land shall be turned from a plain, from Geba to Rimmon to south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem shall remain aloft on its side from the gate of Benjamin to the place of the former gate to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hanel, to the king's wine presses. Wine presses. <laughs> they drink wine. And it shall be inhabited, for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. Jerusalem shall dwell in security. Yahweh is king. It's all still good here. The Branham cult follower can rest at ease. Branham's bosom feels really good. But wait. Listen to what happens next. And this shall be the plague which the Lord shall strike all the peoples that rage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they were standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. And on that day a great panic from the Lord shall fall on them so that each will seize the hand of another and the hand of the one will be raised against the other. Even Judah will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be collected, gold and silver and garments in great abundance. Wait a minute. God is king, and the cult followers are resting, but there's war. Is it safe under William Branham's bosom? There's war out there. The Bible just told us that God was king already over all the earth. The plagues continue. Zechariah continues, And then 
<coughs> a plague like this plague shall fall on the horses, the mules, the camels, the donkeys, and whatever beasts may be in those camps. Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of booths. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain upon them. Now wait, this is the drought that's prophesied by the other prophets of the Bible. And it comes after God sits on his throne. God is demanding respect. Zechariah says that there's a way to free your land from the drought. But if you do not obey, your entire nation is going to suffer. Zechariah continues, And if the family of Egypt does not go up to present themselves, then on them there shall be no rain. There shall be the plague which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to keep the feast of booths. This shall be the punishment to Egypt and the punishment to all the nations that do not go up to keep the feast of booths. So if you're nestled under William Branham's bosom and you're just waiting for all of this to pass over and pass you by, are you going to go keep the feast of booths? Now here's the part that I'm longing for. I'm not waiting for that evening light of destruction. I'd rather wait for the good stuff. Zechariah continues, And on that day there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, Holy unto the Lord. And the pots of the house of the Lord shall be as the bowls before the altar. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice and may come to take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them. And there shall no longer be a traitor, T-R-A-D-E-R, in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. No longer a traitor. No longer a multi-million dollar recording industry peddling the lies of a father. No more making profit off of God's children by a false prophet. There's a cult song that says, I am an eagle. And there's a plaque that's hanging in Jeffersonville that says, Be still and know that I am God. Hung by a man who has already proven to twist other scriptures. There are churches around the globe that call themselves the evening light. So the question really becomes this. Are you an eagle or are you one of God's redeemed? That is the question that you have to ask yourself.